Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 30. Hi, hello, welcome once again, dear listener, to the Curator Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fraser, and this is episode number 30. We're back now after a, a wee break for Christmas and New Year. I trust everyone had a good one. I actually have a bit of a cold again, which is a total bummer. Like, I think I've had more colds doing this podcast than I have like ever had in my life. Or maybe I'm just paying more attention now, because I have to listen to my own stupid voice when I'm recording these voiceover bits. Every single week So yeah I'm feeling a bit sniffly And I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself So I apologise if the quality of my voice Is not what you're used to On this episode I have Billy Liar I've known Billy's name for a while He's been involved in various different punk things In Glasgow over the years And he's a really awesome guy When I did this interview It was actually the first time I met him though And he's he's really engaging, intelligent And always up for a chat And apparently always up for a wee bit of a drink afterwards but that was also good. So yeah, it was nice to meet him and I think we got on quite well and hopefully you hear that in the podcast. Recorded this episode in a pub in Glasgow called The Count House. Um, so there's a bit of background noise, but it's it's ambient really. It's not, it's not that annoying, so that's cool. So I had a small break there for Christmas and New Year, which I think was okay. I'm allowed to break, aren't I? But over the break, I was thinking about perhaps stopping the podcast for a little bit and doing it in seasons. Now... Way back in August, I went to a new media conference in Manchester and one of the seminars or sort of presentations or lectures or whatever you want to call them that I attended was by a, a chap also from Scotland called Colin Gray and he runs a thing called The Podcast Host. He's a pretty he's a pretty knowledgeable guy. He's been doing this podcasting thing for a while and basically the whole crux of his presentation was... Why it makes more sense to podcast in seasons as opposed to the continual run week after week after week. It has a few benefits, which I'm sure are, are probably quite obvious. It means you don't need to keep breaking your back by putting out content continually. Now, although I did put out content continually, there was one week that I missed uh, because I was on holiday and I thought I'd lost an interview and I felt really bad for that. But then I did the Ian McKay episode, put that out and decided, and then it was Christmas, so I thought I'll take a break for a couple of weeks. And I'm kind of glad I did, because now I've came back and I feel kind of re-energised, and I feel refocused on, on making this the best it can be. So, I don't know how many people listen to this preamble bit, hopefully a few of you, but I'd like to know what your opinion is on that. 
as seasons the way forward. I mean, it does offer other benefits, like every season could have a specific theme or a specific focus. Also allows you. It also would allow me to change the format up every now and again, you know. And it also means that I could do other podcasts in between that are slightly different. These are all things that I've been thinking about recently. I've not decided if I'm going to do the season thing yet or not. You might listen to this podcast in I don't know six, seven, eight weeks or months even after it, after I put it out, and I may now be doing seasons, or I may not, or I may have just stopped altogether. I mean, who really knows? But let me know what you think of that. Um, that I would really appreciate that. This is my interview with Billy Liar. It's a pretty good interview. I really enjoyed chatting to him. We had a few drinks during it as well, which kind of made things flow a bit better. Yeah, I thought it was great. I'm going to open up now with a song called All I've Got. I hope you enjoy it. It was our We stayed up all through the night When she left I fell apart I fell apart She took my heart She went to an all-girls school And her parents are dead strict I'm scared to speak in front of her In case she thinks I'm thick We drank and talked all night When she left I felt like shit I felt like shit I fell to bed and sometimes things can happen just a little bit too fast We're thrown into the future while still clinging to the past And I know you barely know me and my father's pretty weak But you are all I've got And you mean everything to me Some rubbish films And we drank a lot of tea She told me some stories Not the end and nor the start Nor the start I fell apart And sometimes things can happen Just a little bit too fast We're thrown into the future While still clinging to the past And I know you barely know me My father's pretty weak But you are all I've got and you mean everything to me Although we weren't together, things got pretty bleak I told her that I loved her, and yes, I jumped the gun I jumped the gun, but I was not wrong And sometimes things can happen just a little bit too fast We're thrown into the future while still clinging to the past and I know you barely know me My banner's pretty weak 
Billy, we are here in the awesome climbs of Accountant House in Glasgow. How are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, as a, like, I just got off the train. I just got up for um, uh, I had, a, had quite a long night last night, and then uh, I just came through. It's always good to come back to Glasgow. I used to live here, so I really like coming back here. But Why did you move back to Edinburgh? Uh, various reasons. Um, I was kind of in a, a long-term relationship in Glasgow, which... Reached its kind of an inevitable conclusion, and um, I got the offer of like a, a nice flat with some good friends in Edinburgh and a good job at the time, and it made sense. And also, I, I mean, there's things I love about Edinburgh and Glasgow, but Edinburgh is, you know, that's where I'm from, so it's nice to, to stay there. I like Edinburgh a lot, it's a, it's a nice place, um, but see, you say that inevitable conclusion, it's, is that like everything everything just ends and dies? Is that, is that, is that, what you're th- is that the assumption there? That's, that's pretty much what I was saying, yeah, that's a kind of loaded answer, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, let's get into the, let's get into the, the Billy Liar, nitty gritty, as it were. You've done a lot, uh, you've been a lot of places, um, but where did it start? Like, have you listened to the podcast before? I'm all about the genesis, I guess, of sure. the creativity. So, what was the moment that you realised that being a singer and songwriter that you are is something you wanted to do? Um, I've always wanted to play music. Uh, I mean, I kind of always have. Like, I wrote songs before I really knew I was writing songs. So I would always um, write things down when I was at primary school, and I couldn't. You know, I, I, I learned how to play classical instruments before I learned. Um, rock instruments really but then when I first learned the guitar and I realized that I could sort of not not tunefully but sing the songs that I had written on these pieces of paper on the guitar with just like a couple of chords like learning Ramon's songs which are just you know like I could only play power chords with two fingers for a long time but realizing that all those songs are just the same kind of shape and then often the same chords but in a slightly different order that just really inspired me to learn all the songs I could and play them. And then um, I guess when I was at high school, I formed my first band uh, and we played at like um, a high school rock night. They had a night called the Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll Night where they had uh, all the parents and teachers basically came in and then like a couple of bands played a couple of songs. And we played two songs and I was so nervous. I couldn't play guitar and sing at the same time. So my friend played guitar and then uh, one guy played drums, but he could only play one drum beat and he couldn't do any fills. So he, at one point, he would do this like double snare hit in the middle of the song, and that's that's uh, like the extent of his his technicality. But I couldn't play the guitar either, so I just sang. I had like my hands jammed in the back of my pockets, like the entire two songs, and I just sang. But then everyone afterwards was like, "Oh, that was pretty good." So we started doing more kind of high school gigs, and uh, we covered an Offspring song really badly, and um, the Offspring were the first band I saw. And then, and then I formed my first punk band after that, called the Bearded Ladies, and like we wore dresses on stage, and the guitar player had the Slipknot guitar, like the BC Rich Warlock, but he stripped all the paint off and made it like Mr. Blobby, so it was like, is it pink with yellow spots or yellow with pink spots? I can't really. Pink with yellow spots. Pink with yellow spots. Um, and then the drummer, like in that band, wanted to be in a metal band, like J- Joey Jordison was his hero, so we had those ridiculous like uh, black 
Joey Jordison metal drumsticks, and um, he would always try and put in like double bass fills and all this stuff. In the middle of the set, he would do like a, a drum solo. So we just let him do whatever he wanted, and he would play for like 10 minutes while we like we we'd leave. It was like church halls or like community centers where we were playing at that time, and we would just leave and like go to the shops and then like come back and like eat loads of sweets and it was a good time. What happened to those guys? Oh, actually, well, I mean, we, you know, we, we ended, I, I left school when I was 16 because I wanted to, I wanted to play music all the time. Um, and those guys all stayed in school. The um, drummer I ended up being in a kind of, I thought I was in a, like a hardcore punk band, but they thought they were in like Metallica or Merciful Fate. So we had like uh, two guitar players doing like twin lead solos, total ripoffs of Metallica. The drummer thought he was in like Slayer, and then I th the bass player thought he was in like Bring Me the Horizon or something. He had a big fringe, and then I was like I had a mohawk and a leather jacket and fucking combat boots on, and thought I was in like The Exploited or something. It was disaster. But anyway, um, the bearded ladies. Uh, so Sean was in that band, the drummer, um, with me, and then the guitar player and the bass player. Like, the guitar player, he still plays guitar, but not in a band. Um, and the bass player, he only picked up and learned the bass because we needed a bass player at the time. So I was like, man, you're my best friend. If you get a bass, I'll, you know, I'll show you where the fingers go. So, it, you know, I'd just be like, one, three, four, you know, like the old punk thing. I mean, and then as soon as the band finished, he just sold his bass. But those two guys, like, I, I don't see them so much anymore because obviously I left school quite a long time ago now. Well, 10 years ago now. And um, they, they, they came out to see me uh, at the last show I played in Edinburgh uh, at the beginning of December. It was really nice to see them, but, but it was a long time, you know, quite a lot of time had passed. But. Adam, it makes me wonder about something. Uh, basically, what, like, now I'm getting older, I mean, I'm, I've just turned 30, and I've been, I left school when I was 15 as well, and I've been involved in music in some capacity for pretty much, ever since I was like 16, I guess. And everyone gets old and they have fucking kids and they have like good jobs. And I've got quite a decent job, I guess, but does it make it? Do, how does it, like, you've obviously you're still going, and, and, and I guess I'm, me and my friends are still going because it's what we want to do, but like, does it, when you look at people that have like a life, as a society would call it, a life, does that make you, how does that make you feel? Well, you know, I mean, everyone's got their own thing. I don't really, I think it's dangerous to compare yourself to anybody else. And obviously, it's a human instinct to do so, but I think if you if you do that, then it's uh, it's it's potentially fatal. It's not it's not a good thing to do. Like, I I don't really think about other people, you know, in that respect. Um, I just think, oh great, that person's doing what they want, or oh great, that person's doing that. But um, when I meet up with old friends, often they'll sort of compare compare themselves to me, um, or compare our lives, and I find that quite strange and that kind of reminds me like people always well not always but sometimes people say stuff like oh you're you're living the dream or oh you're doing what you want to do and i'm like well i'm sure you're doing what you want to do and if you're not then you should uh i'm not really living anyone that's dream i've just sort of decided what i want to do and often it doesn't pay very well but it means i get to travel and make new friends i don't know <laughs> You think it takes a certain kind of uh, it takes a certain kind of person to, to be the way I guess that people like yourselves and other touring musicians are. I don't know. I just this is this is all I know. But I don't. Know. I think that answers the question really. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, w w when I met up with 
I mean, I shouldn't really talk about them by name, I guess, but the guys from The Bearded Ladies, when they came out to the show in Edinburgh, one of them just kept, like, he's got an office job now. And for a, for a long time he resisted that, but now he's got that. So he just kept doing the old like Bill Hicks, like uh, sucking Satan's cock thing. He just kept doing that at me because he feels like that's what he's doing. And I was like, man, if you're if you're happy, then do what you're doing. Like he's got a house, he owns his own house, he's got a mortgage on it. It's almost paid off because he got that as soon as he left school. He's got a girlfriend that he loves and he's got a car. I can't afford those things, you know. He seems pretty happy to me. He probably looks more well than I am. He probably is more well than I am. You know, just make your, you just make your choices. I want, to go back. I want to go back a bit to something that you said. My first show was also The Offspring. Oh, really? It was SETC 2001. With AFI and Kathy. Yes! <laughs> that was me, that was mine too. As was, uh, it was also Fraser from Murder Burgers. That's fucking incredible. A few other people, I think, yeah, yeah. I've still got the t-shirt somewhere, yeah. I've never met anyone else that was been in that show. Like, in, in the whole time I've been in bands in Glasgow, I've never met anyone else that was at that show. And that was a big fucking show. There's at least 5,000 people there. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, well, I was there. I've got the Conspiracy of One t-shirt somewhere in my mum's house, yeah. That's the first time I'd ever heard of a band like, yeah, like, music like the what AFI were playing at the time, like, hardcore punk, and ever since then, I've kind of been really into that, and, man, David Havoc was so weird. It was wearing, like, all the PVC and just, like, a total goth, and I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, yeah. I like. I, I I didn't really get AFI at that point, and I, to be honest, I never really got into them. But I, I really enjoyed the Offspring and Caffeine. And I, looking back, I didn't. I remember I went to like the merch stand and I bought Caffeine CD, and it was five pounds. And to me, like five pounds was a lot of money at that time. Like I was spending like pocket money. You know, I was pretty young. And uh, and the CD that Caffeine sold me for five pounds was like it wasn't even. It was in like a slip case, I think. And it's a, a CD with a with just a sticker on it with, uh, the, with the track names. And I was like, this doesn't look like it's worth five pounds. And I put it, took it home, and after like maybe a week of listening to it nonstop, the CD was just like burnt out and it didn't even work anymore. And it was just a CDR. And at the time I was like, I didn't understand it because I'd never seen something like a DIY band before. And now I kind of got, you know, kind of got to the age where like my friends' bands, like when Murderburgers toured with Alkaline Trio, uh, last year I went out doing merch for them and like you know things have moved on so like they, they had better than CDRs and stuff but it, I, it just felt like you know I don't know things have I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the DIY ethic is still strong but you don't need to worry about selling someone CDs that are going to fail after like eight lessons yeah maybe I, I, I think just in retrospect that was my first experience of a DIY band um, in any respect, because that was a fucking massive show at the SECC, but that was a DIY band doing that, or like a, an underground band doing that. And uh, just in retrospect, I find that quite interesting. Whatever happens to them, do you know? I don't know, no. I've Googled them and I tried to find out information, but I know obviously like some of those bands stuck around and have come back in cycles, like Cap Down and Sponge and stuff, but Caffeine I can't really find any information on. I mean, maybe those guys are in other bands, I just don't realise, but... It must be cool to say I played with the Offspring though, and, and like on an arena tour. Like, yeah, fuck, fuck yes, and I sold DIY CDs. Yeah, I mean that must have been absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I can't, I can't, can't um, I can't imagine it really. I can, I can never imagine playing to like that many people ever. But you kind of have, I guess. Uh, not like Offspring <laughs> size. You played the fest, so that, I mean that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, the fest is is pretty awesome. Uh, I got to. Yeah, I got to play a pretty good festival in, in Australia called Woodford. There was quite a lot of people there, but I don't know. It'd be pretty good to tour The Offspring. I don't know these days, and maybe not musically. I don't think I'd be digging that, but... 
I haven't bought any of their albums for a while, but... Good call, good call. <laughs> um, I have a question here which I would like to ask you, uh, and it is, why solo? Because I'm always interested as to this, that this the question, why people who have been in bands decide to go solo. And I'm, I'm going to maybe guess it is probably economy as well. It's easier to go on tour when you're just on your own. Um, I never really thought about that, but it, in retrospect, it's you know it's, it's, it has been helpful at times. I'm not going to lie, but um, the only reason I really did that was because uh, I, I, as I said before, I was playing in a lot of different bands when I was growing up, and then um, when I decided to to do the, basically I, I realized that the songs that I was writing at home, which weren't trying to be like another band, whereas the bands I was in before, I, I was never conscious of it because I was never think that way but I think some people sometimes in projects were pushing for us to sound like a particular type of band or I don't know but 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 then I realized that the songs that I was writing at home on acoustic guitar were the ones that had something like a kind of integrity to them I guess because I played them to some people and I went to to college to study music and I dropped out of that because I was I basically met my band there so I met a bass player and a drummer there and they knew a guitar player and, and then as soon as that happened I went and recorded my first EP with them and at that point for a year we did a lot of shows where it was a band where I had the you know the, the lineup of the band um, and that, that was all fine we never left Scotland we only played around Scotland but um, that, that band kind of imploded on itself um, often I mean we were like 17 18 so we sort of saw it as a race to get as fucked up as we possibly could before we played and then you know whoever was the most fucked up one, I guess, or we all lost because the performances weren't very good. So that, that was kind of detrimental. And then the band ended because I played two gigs in one night in Edinburgh. We played in, uh, in the Hive. They used to do hardcore shows. Now it's like a teenage nightclub, but it used to have hardcore and punk shows. I think it was a Cold Dead Hands show. And um, I played there with the band and we came off stage and I was miserable. And the rest of the band went, oh, that was really good. Oh, we played really well there. And I was like, no, I really, really not feeling it. And then I went across town and I played at um, the forest, like a community art space solo. And I was like getting heckled by people and having banner with people and just changing songs in the middle and like turning into other things. And I realized that's what I wanted to do. I just, I really like the, you know, the, the interaction and the intimacy that you can have with the audience if you're doing it solo. So it was never like a, a conscious choice. After that, it just sort of happened. Um, I want to play with the band again, but I would definitely, um, if I was touring with the band, make it more of a split set. So there's definitely a bunch of solo stuff in there too. The songs that you, I guess, the Billy Lighter songs, which is all I know at this point, um, they do have a certain sort of total DIY feel, which I really fucking enjoy. But I, ha I have kind of noticed that um, the newer stuff that you did, particularly the, it went from a sort of Billy Bragg-esque style to a more kind of bluegrass style, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so, is there a reason for that? Or? Uh, I, I kind of approach every, like, uh, I think, I mean, the songs, I mean, I think genres are pretty stupid and, you know, it just kind of depends on, like, what you're doing once you're in the, in the studio. I, I just try and serve the songs as best they can be served. And uh, so it's kind of dependent on where I'm, where I'm at. Um, like, uh, the All I've Got EP I recorded with a double bass player and a fiddle player at times, and um, a friend of mine sang on it as well. Um, and I, I don't know, it was just those songs I felt fitted that particular uh, lineup, 
Um, I've got a, a split coming out that's going to be, I mean, every release that I've got coming out next year is going to be completely different to the last. So it's not like, oh, now he's gone that way or, oh, that, now that band is doing that. It's just like where it's at at that particular point, you know? Is that like a sense of constantly challenging yourself to, to kind of be creative in different ways? Or is it just like, is it just like when you get in the studio, it's like, well, I think this song feels like this, so... Yeah, it's, it's more like the latter, yeah. I'm not trying to challenge myself. It's just, if, if I, you know, like all I've got, like the, the main uh, title track of that EP was, I saw that as a, I wrote that as a country song, kind of, to some, you know, but I wanted it to be like a, well, whatever. I don't want to say, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's a country song, so I wanted to record it like a country song. And I heard double bass on it, so I wanted to have double bass on it. And I imagine my friend Stina um, singing on it, and so I made those things happen. But I guess that's the flexibility of just being on your own, isn't it? Really, like you can just you can go whatever direction you want. Well, you know, you're your own boss. Yeah. Do you find that, I guess you must find that really fulfilling. You've been around the world a few times, but you know, on your own, and like, how how do you how do you kind of how do you balance that life, of, like touring and and life? Uh, that's a uh, I don't know, like. So it's easier sometimes than uh, than other times. I was last year. I toured a lot more than I expected to. Often I'll come back from a tour, or I'll kind of come back home for a little while, and I'll kind of stop, and I'll think, "All oh, right, well, I'll probably just leave that there for a while, and maybe I won't tour for a little while, and I'll take some time to, you know, read more books, and I'll, you know, get an allotment, and I'll do some gardening. You know, like you just start to think, like, oh, I could." I could go for runs and I could like be healthy and start swimming and you know you could do all these things and like I don't know then then a tour gets comes up or yeah like I have an idea that of someone I want to tour with or a band I want to play with or someone offers a gig in a stupid place and then I'm not going to turn it down so as long as people keep asking me to do stuff I'll just keep doing it I mean is that fulfilling to know that you can just go out and I guess fulfill your sort of hopes on that on that level on that particular level. Um, I guess so. Yeah, it's it, it. It took me quite a long time to get to the point where um, I wasn't the only one pushing. You know, like for a long time I was pushing and pushing, uh, which I suppose is kind of what DIY uh, could be construed as. Um, like I was always knocking on doors and hassling people to do such and such a thing and some people were asking me to do some stuff but now it seems it's a lot more fluid it's a lot more like people actually want me to do stuff as opposed to me just hassling people to let me do stuff you know you've been going for a while so people build up that you, over time you build up that momentum don't you people start to recognise you and, and want you to do things for them instead of having to keep asking can, can I play this show you know yeah it seems seems to be that way I didn't really expect that to happen I don't know it's 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 never straightforward, but so given that you're given that you're kind of doing what you can to serve the song, who are some of the who would you say are some of the songwriters that you look up to? I'm always interested in this question. Um, songwriters. Uh, oh, I mean, I mean, I like songwriters from all different walks of life. Like uh, Tom Waits is one of my favourite songwriters. Um, That's why it's not an influences question because yeah. it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have an influence on your sound, but it's an influence on why you are creative the way you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think Tom Waits is incredible. I think um, Bruce Springsteen is incredible. Um, Love the boss. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so many, like Leonard Cohen. Um, 
Joe Strummer uh, and Mick Jones as well. Mick Jones is totally underrated, but and Lemmy, I mean Lemmy just just died, but um, Bob Dylan, I mean Johnny Cash, you know, I, I don't know, I could I could go on forever, but you can go on for as long as you want. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Uh, I love a lot of folk music as well, and um, I, li I like you know storytellers and songs but I also love like guttural punk rock noise like the Stooges you know you can, I can, you can hear both those elements so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of storytelling in your music which kind of makes me wonder the, do authors have like a, an influence on on like your songwriting process as well because a lot of the stuff you do is more than just lyrical it's kind of it's like a it's narrative if you know uh, yeah massively um, yeah I, I, I read as often as I can uh, which sometimes isn't isn't as much as I'd like it to be. But you know, if you're on tour, I always take books with me on tour. I'm not one of these ones that has a, a Kindle or anything. Like I like an old smelly book that I get from a secondhand bookshop with cats in it, and then I can just pass the book on to somebody else on tour um, if it's good. But like, um, it's it's very difficult to find time when you're away to to read. Or if I read something one day when I'm exhausted, then the next day I'll find myself not knowing what, who, you know, who's this character, I'll have to go back. But when I'm at home, I definitely try and read as much as I can. I like, yeah, books have a, a huge influence on me. Often I'll like, I'll go through periods of, of not writing songs and then I'll, I'll wonder why. And then I'll remember that it's because I've not been reading. And then if I read a book, then I find it puts my brain just into the right frame of mind for writing songs. To being exposed I'm waking up in unwashed clothes And I don't like the view from here I just want to point out that song is like That line is not that important really There's no point in pointing out It's a really unfunny pun But I wrote that line because I thought it was funny That I was singing Like I don't really like the view And then they've got that song about wearing the same jeans all the time Does that make any sense? No, you probably weren't listening to the lyrics that I'm but last night I played in Dundee and I was like, from here! And I was like, yeah, they're from, they're from here. And it made me laugh. Nobody else smiled, nothing. We all went home and cried. And it was the worst day of my life. I'm going to have to sing that line again because I've forgotten what, how I get to the next part. Stop shaking your head at me. You're not my dad. My dad's upstairs. And he's waiting till I get off to come downstairs, which is really embarrassing. <sighs> <laughs> I hope so. I'm looking forward to joining him. That's what sort of family we are. I'm going to play with my dad on stage at the open mic night. I'm very looking forward to playing with my dad on stage at the open mic night. He will be clean after he's had a bath. Oh, please, please. I'll look forward to saying that to you next time you play. I don't know what that means. <laughs> All my failings have been exposed. I'm waking up in unwashed clothes and I don't like the view. From here All my friends are fucking up We're falling down, not getting up We swore we'd never fall in love We're all falling in love I wasted nights and I wasted days Tore up your letters and I threw them away Tried to call you up but I had nothing to say I turned up at your door 
But there were no words left to say Been some time since I felt this way This crippling fear, anxiety Paranoia creeps around the corners Of each and every day When all the intimacy don't fade away There'll be no words left to say When all the intimacy don't fade away no words left to say, I said I'll race you to disappointment But I don't think that you understood why, man You said you felt you couldn't speak to me Cause you thought you were a failure But darling, none of us are going anywhere I wasted nights and I wasted days Tore up your liars and I threw them away Tried to call you up, I had nothing to say I turned up at your door There were no words left to say 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 Thank you very much. Enjoy Joe McMahon. Cheers. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I don't know many. I don't know many songwriters, especially the ones that I've spoken to. Anyway, that that have that kind of it takes it, it takes something literary to, to sort of spark that creative flair. Because usually people are just constantly churning out music because it's like a, it's like you need to keep the muscle active. I don't really know anyone that's been like like that is often deliberately inspired by authors. Usually they're deliberately inspired by by other music. Um, what, is that something you slowly came to realise over the years, or is that? Is that something that you kind of have always known to be the case? No, I think that's something that I that I had to learn when I first wrote songs. I, it was more just like bones. It was just like saying things that uh, without any sort of um, process, really, just sort of writing what was going on. And then, like my first EP is just stories without, again, without any like. Yeah, I haven't really put them through any process. It's just like. Some of my first songs on my first EP were conversations that I'd had on MSN Messenger. Do you remember MSN? So like people would say, like my friends would say, "Oh, what happened at the weekend?" And then like I write, I wrote it as a conversation. And then instead of writing it to them, I would just copy and paste it into like a note file. And then that became like the first few songs. Whereas later on, like I've tried to, you know, I haven't tried to, but I've written songs uh, which are, which are, which are more like, you know, I want to write a specific story or tell it from a particular point of view. I, like, I, I more think about what I would write, like to write a song about now, as opposed to just, 
Yeah, like, like I just kind of do research. Like, I'm, I'm writing a song right now about Las Vegas. I don't know if this will ever be finished or come out, but, you know, it means, like, I'm looking at different elements. Like, I'm reading a book about Las Vegas. I've never been there, but I, I, it was inspired by a conversation I had with a, with a, uh, a new friend uh, in the States, in, in Richmond, uh, Virginia. When, like, we just met in a bar. He told me this incredible story, and I was like, that's, that's going to turn into something, but... Do you see yourself more as like a storyteller as opposed to a, a songwriter? I guess is that is that is that a valid thing to ask you? Uh, no, I mean, I think it's a mixture because uh, uh, I, I don't think this. I don't think the stories are. I don't know if they're standalone. I think they need to go with the music. You know, that's what gives them the rhythm that they have. I think if they were written down in a book, they wouldn't make as much sense. But like. Um, but I do like writing stories. I love short stories are my favorite kind of stories as well, or like really short books. They just have like sometimes they're open ended or they leave something for the the audience to figure out. And I I like to try and do that with songs, like to put in little things. I got into a habit of um, well, like all I've got like the song. Like I enjoyed writing. Well, you know, I don't want to kind of I don't know if I should say this stuff, but. Oh, I if you feel comfortable saying it, then go for it, man. It's totally up to you. I'm not going to force you to say something you don't want to say. I mean, the All I've Got You Pee was the first time, like, that song was the first thing that made me, like, I, I guess that, for me, that was kind of a step up in the way I wrote songs, and that inspired me to write songs more like I have been recently. Because in that song, I, I wanted it to be like a conversation between two people. So, like, the main character in the song is someone that's been basically beginning to seem like they're going to have a relationship with someone who's ending a relationship with somebody else, basically. And uh, the love interest in that song tells stories without giving a beginning and an end. So then, therefore, I wanted to start the song like she starts stories. So it starts in the middle of a sentence. So it says, and, and then this song starts. So like, but then that made me realize that I could just I can, you know, when I first wrote that song, I thought, can I do that? Or am I allowed to do that? Like, or should I not do that? Because that's not okay. And then no one said, oh, you shouldn't have done that. So, so now I'm just sort of messing around with things. Like, um, I've got I've got a full length record that I'm going to record next year. I've written as a full album, and there's songs in there where I've just completely messed with the structure. So it like it starts off in the middle of something, and then it gives you a bit of something else. Like it's not. It's not like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's more like I, I really like playing around with the story, and yeah, it's a very hard thing to do, though, as a, as a songwriter. Like, obviously, you've learned that over over time to do that. Yeah, but for for me personally, I, I know many other people. It's very hard to put themselves into that story writing, songwriting mode, like like the boss or you know that kind of thing. And now that you do it, and you've like you say, you've just you've written an album. Is it easy? Is it now easier to to go into that? I'm telling a story, or this song is a story mode. Uh, it's, yeah, I would say it's got easier over time the more I've done it. Um, but I mean, I've always written stories, but it took me a long time to be able to connect the two of them. Like I always wrote short stories, and I've always wanted to uh, to do more creative writing outside songwriting. Like I've, I've had, you know, I'd like to write short films, and I'd like to. I've, me and my friend had a, an idea for a play that's gone unfinished, but I'd always like to complete that and to do stuff, more stuff like that. So, 
I guess it's just taken me a long time to connect those two things. I've came at, I've came at songwriting from the, the complete opposite direction. We can talk about that later, though. I don't want to talk about myself too much. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of your stuff is also is about like heartache and, and relationships. But a lot, I think, for, for a lot of the reviews I've read for you, it's like they're always focusing on the sort of social, the social aspect and the, and the political aspect, which is kind of similar to, to the way people approach Billy Bragg as well. Like most of his songs are, are love songs. Everyone remembers them as being like a rabble rouser. Do, do you feel that you get that same kind of thing when people talk about like your music? Um, maybe. Like, uh, I guess the stuff that I've recorded and some of the stuff that I play live is different because, um, as I say, I've got this new full length coming out and I've got several splits coming out as well. Like, um, one of them is for um, like a refugee charity uh, that's it's coming out at the end of January, and that's more. Um, I don't know. I. Um, I, I, I guess Billy Bragg has that reputation because he is very uh, political out with his songs and often though on record he's written a lot of love songs he often changes them live so that they're more political or he takes older political songs and he makes them uh, like he modernizes them um, I mean that's quite that's quite different to what, what I'm doing but, but I know what you're saying um, I guess people just, I mean, some reviewers focus more on one thing and some focus more on others, but... They take what they want to take from it, basically. Like, they take the message that they want to take overall from the record, I guess, which is fair enough. I mean, that's why you meet me. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's what we do, isn't it? You have a lot coming out next year. You've just alluded to it. Um, that, see that creativity, that, that sort of power, the need to keep writing music? What powers that? Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, uh, I just. If I didn't do that, then I wouldn't be able. To, I don't think I would be happy. You know, I need to get it out. So, um, if I don't get it out in this creative way, then I'd probably be like, you know, doing something else. Like, I don't know, bare knuckle boxing or something. Like, I need to get it out somehow. So. A big part of this, a big part of my own like life up to this point, has been analysing my own creative process, which is why this podcast is kind of focused on what it is, because I'm interested in people's not just creative genesis, but like getting like to the heart of why they are the way they are. Because I, I do think that people that, that strive to continually be creative, it is it's almost like an existential thing. It's like that drive is somehow fulfilling or filling a hole, which is like you say, we make you unhappy, feel otherwise, perhaps, or me personally. Feel otherwise unfulfilled unless I'm unless I'm doing something like that, like this podcast, for example. I think if I, was, I wasn't doing that, I'd probably be. If I wasn't in a band, I'd probably want to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I suppose to, to sort of, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think I think you know, uh, people who have a creative outlet are lucky that they found something that they can express themselves through. But if if other people are unhappy and they haven't. Uh, realized that they can exp I mean people sometimes say to me like uh, oh I wish I could play the guitar or I wish I could write songs and I'm like Any you know anybody can do that and you, I, I honestly actively believe that everybody should do that or or anything you know just create something because it's such a an incredible way to you know realize more about yourself if you let you know if you like it's almost like 
switching your brain off and just letting your your I don't know I, I'm not really making sense but Actually, yeah I think you are making sense continue <laughs> it's just like going onto autopilot you know like when I write I'm not I'm not writing like oh now I'm gonna write a song it's just like you write the song you know you, you, you let something come out of you like some people believe in souls and I'm, I'm not religious in any way whatsoever and I don't believe in a, a soul really but but I do believe that that somehow it's possible to to write based on all your influences uh, throughout your life and things you've read and things you've seen and music that you've listened to if you manage to get onto that perfect wavelength where the thing comes through you and it, you don't have any control over it and it has to come out and if you don't get that shit out then it can be really poisonous you know it's almost like imparting a bit of yourself into, into what you're creating yeah ultimately I guess that's what art is isn't it it's, it's sharing yourself with, with the world which is a very vulnerable position to, to put yourself in you can know? be yeah <laughs> it can be if you're too honest yeah yeah I mean I guess, I, I suppose that's why a lot of people write characters as well, like uh, the Bruce Springsteen, for example, doesn't write many songs about, about himself. Bruce Springsteen doesn't write many songs about himself. Maybe on his latest album, uh, not High Hopes, but the American... Uh, yeah, Wrecking Ball, yeah. Like that's, I think that's probably his most personal record because he's writing from his own point of view, but mostly he's writing characters. Um, and I guess that's kind of, kind, of what you're, kind of what you do now, I guess? Or is it kind of half and half? It's kind of a mixture, yeah, it just depends on the song. Um, lately I've been, I mean, not, not, not necessarily in songs that are coming out like in the near future, but I've been writing more in terms of, of characters than ever before. Yeah, but sometimes it's still from a first-person point of view because that's more interesting to the listener. But. Well, Billy, I think I'm going to wrap up. Um, but is there anything else you want to ask me or anything you want to say before I finish? Uh, I don't think so. We could talk about the release, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about it, like I said, if you want to say anything else, man, let's go for it. Okay. Well, my next thing that's coming out is um, I've got a split coming out with a guy called Paper Rifles. Do you know him? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, John used to play in a band called Curators, and uh, he's awesome. And uh, we played a, gig, a few gigs together last year. No, this year. In fact, we only really met this year. Um, but we just got in like a house on fire and he recorded one of my songs and I thought it was way better than my recording of it. So that was kind of embarrassed me into wanting to work with him because his harmonies are so good. And uh, when I said, let's record together, we, we both agreed it'd be better to do something that, that meant something rather than just putting out a release for the sake of putting out a release. So we're doing a, um, a single, a split single for a charity called the Refugee Survival Trust. We're based in Edinburgh and um, We've obviously uh, recorded it with our friend uh, Jimmy, who plays in a band called Elk Gang, and he used to be in Shields Up. So he's put in his recording time for free. We like put in a song each, and we both played on each other's songs. Um, Steve uh, Cardinal, who shot my music videos and used to be in the Murder Burgers and Shields Up, he um, shot uh, a mini documentary about each track, which is going to come out as well. And um, we managed to get some DIY labels involved. So Struck Dumb in Aberdeen, uh, Anti-Manifesto in Edinburgh, and um, Make That a Take in Dundee are all pitching in. And uh, it's coming out on January the 30th. And we're gonna have a launch night in Edinburgh that night for the, for the split single for this charity. We want to do more work with the charity in the future as well. That sounds, that actually sounds fucking amazing, man. Um, and I love all those labels. And Guys in the Elk Gang, my band played with them, our first gig, oh, nice. which was awesome. Uh, and 
Yeah, like John is good as well. I've, I, I like people rifles. I used to like creators. Um, but um, yeah, I didn't know that's who you're working with, man. I'm, I'm fucking, I'm really excited for that. All oh, right, yeah, it's, I'm really happy with the way it turned out, and uh, it's been really fun playing with John. We just had a meeting with the head of the charity yesterday, actually, and it went really well. So she seems really excited that we're doing something. It's a really cool charity. So also getting a lot of DIY like labels on board in Scotland. It just, I guess, it, maybe it's a little segue into like it's quite strong. It's it's quite a strong DIY ethic in punk in Scotland, which. I don't have much experience with it in England. I don't know if that's just because it's local to me, but I think there's a perhaps there's a uniquely Scottish take on the DIY ethic, which you don't really get anywhere else. Uh, I think you're right. Um, I think it's easier for us to see as well because Scotland is quite a small place uh, and it's quite well connected. But I mean, it's definitely there in England. Like there's people like TNS in England, and yeah, there's people everywhere that are doing DIY stuff. But this, the Scottish DIY seems great as well. I guess that's how you managed to play all over the world, is probably through the whole, those, those DIY networks, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, that, yeah. I mean, everyone's, that's the whole great thing about punk. Like, people say to me in uh, in other genres, like, how, how do you tour? And then they go, you know, they, I mean, I've, I've met bands, not naming any names, that say stuff like, oh, how do you tour or how do you do this? And then they go to gigs and they leave after they've played and they don't watch any of the other bands and they actively compete with other bands like they're like oh fuck those guys because oh look at them or you know they slag each other off whereas in the punk scene you know it's not always this way but more or less if you're a nice person then you know and you're nice to other people then it's a lot easier to I don't know make friends and do stuff and that's kind of how the punk scene works people help each other out and if you're a dick then fuck off you know <laughs> I think that's a really nice note to end on, actually. <laughs> maybe not the dick part, but the bit before it being helpful was good. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Right. Billy, thank you very much for talking to me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. As I was editing that, I kinda, it kind of occurred to me that I think we both sound a bit inebriated, which I think gives it a nice kind of rough and ready feel, which I, which I liked. But you might have hated that. I don't know. And also, I do swear a lot. My one of my one of my friends said to me that uh, I should stop swearing on the podcast because I, I just sound strange when I swear. Apparently, I don't know if that's true, but it just slips out, man. Like I, I don't, I can't really control. I can't really control when I'm going to swear or not. My mum used to tell me that swearing was something you should never do because it makes you sound stupid. But I actually think that some of the most articulate people that I've ever met tend to swear a lot. So who knows what that means? Oh well. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. That was my interview with Billy Liar. He's an awesome guy. You should check out all of his stuff on Bandcamp. Uh, he's got a new album coming out later on this year. He's just about to release a split EP with Paper Rifles, who's also great. So you should definitely check all that out. He's he's a lovely guy, and he's, he's played a lot of shows, as you could probably gather from the podcast. So I hope, I hope that you uh, see him live in your neck of the woods sometime soon. I'm going to play you out now with another track of his. And this song is called Change. And I hope you enjoy it. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you can. I would really appreciate that. Until next time, cheers for listening. Bye-bye. Put away my party shoes And I cut off my mohawk I need to back up my arguments and not just be all talk I'm so bored of watching bands all just fade into the same song, the same band No one's saying anything, nothing's getting done I want to see your blood spell on the stage I want to hear your heartbeat through the PA I want to hear true Adelaide
I'm tired of drinking until the band get better. I want to hear bands that make me dance even when I'm sober. Reading answers, rocking the cash box, did you get back together when hell is frozen over? I want to see your blood spill on the stage. I want to hear your heartbeat through the PA. I want to hear true adolescent rage. I want to be inspired. I want to see something change. It's not too much to ask, probably. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.